Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi melody. Got out. Science fiction, a genre of fiction which deals with space travel and future events that often entail a social message about modern events. Um, I haven't asked the question yet. Malady, a disease or illness. Are you sick? Wait, do you have COVID? Sci-Fi Sicky, a frequent listener of Sci-Fi Malady Podcast. We know this. Why are you defining these? Ruck. Uh, why, why are we talking about him now? A savant of editing. That he is? Tall. Uh, we haven't actually met him. With a voice like silky butter. How can butter be silky? Next symptom, cowboy bebop. You took all that time just to say that? Hey, guys, I appreciate that we're doing bebop, but can you not interrupt me while I'm using the bathroom? I really have to go. Sci-fi malady. Symptom 236. Cowboy Bebop. It's like Firefly. And Jimmy Dean Breakfast Sausage. Yep. That good. In a perfect way to start your day. It's beeping and bopping. Welcome back, sickies. And no, just for the record, when I type that out on the post, it is not going to be that long. Or then again, maybe it will. I don't know. We'll see. So, welcome back. We are continuing Anime April with, I think it's safe to say, one of the greatest anime that has ever been made, Cowboy Bebop. And, of course, is with us our resident weeboo, Ruck. I'm the weeboo, that's me. Episode two of the month, baby. Yep. And what's interesting, too, is, and depressing for me, is that the first time we mentioned this, when I was uh, talking to Ruck about what we would do this month, I said Cowboy Bebop, and he agreed with that definitely, and he asked, we started talking, and somehow we got to the point of if I'd seen it or not, and I said, Ruck, I was watching this before you were alive. Huh. That's sad. Yeah. Because hey, he's old. Old man. Old <laughs> old yeah. man. Uh, for a minute, I was like, yeah, I got a medal over you. And oh, <laughs> get off my lawn, whippersnappers. You know what? I'm old, but I'll never be as old as Rage Master. <laughs> I know. I think that somehow I, I like Merlin. I just age. And, well, no, that doesn't make sense at all. I just age faster than Scott does. Although he did have two gray spots in fourth and fifth grade. Tenth grade. No, fifth grade, because we noticed it on the trip to Greenfield Village. Uh, I believe you're mistaken. Okay, okay. you old two two old men fighting over there. (laughs) So, fun fact about Scott and Rage's background. He may or may not have had two small gray spots when he was in fifth grade. (laughs) But, however, however, what he can say over me is that he still has hair. Uh. He's got that on me, so... Um, that is true. Although my father-in-law the other day did uh, bring up the fact that I have the male pattern baldness, so apparently I'm losing my hair at a pretty quick rate. I, I mean, it's, it's whatever. You still have it, okay? I would, 
I would take what you have, okay? I have anyway, we're not here we're not why here to we, review why are we talking about we're here? reviewing we're here Scott to, by Melody, symptom two thirty six, reviewing Rogaine. Scott's hairline. Is it or is it not receding? <laughs> Brought to you by Rogaine. <laughs> so so uh, anyway. yeah, uh, well actually we will sell out for Rogaine if they actually yeah, that would, that's true. Now now a word from our sponsor. Hi. Rogaine no and NordVPN. <laughs> Hi, do you wish that you weren't also getting stalked online without legend. hair? <laughs> <laughs> and while you're waiting for your Rogaine to show up, let me tell you about League of Legends. <laughs> Rage, oh, wait, Shadow Legends. Every- oh, no, I'm sorry. Rage, Shadow Legends. That's the one that everyone says is the greatest thing ever, but it really isn't. When you actually play it, you're like... I've been horribly misled. <laughs> Rogaine. Now with ad blocker. Wait, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, let's get on to Cowboy Bebop. One of the things that I think is interesting is, Scott, it's safe to say you are definitely not an anime person, typically, right? Comics, uh, anime, um, no, it's, it's, it's not my, my thing. I don't know why. I can't tell you why, but it's not, it's just not, don't have any problems with it, but it doesn't do anything for me. Okay, and, and that, that's fine. But that having been said, I think what's interesting is that for this, you had to kind of, you know, doff your hat and say, this is very good, I get the hype. It's still anime's not my thing, but I get the hype. Yeah, yeah, if I was an anime fan, I would say that this is, I mean, I see why. This is ranked very highly. The voice acting is very good. The animation's very good. The storytelling is sharp. The characterization is sharp. For episodic um, animation, it weaves a story together. And there's a lot of great thematic things. Um, And I'll get more into it in my deep meaning later, or in conversation of meaning later. It might not be a true deep meaning. But I think I know why, even though there's nothing I can say that this... Um, piece of entertainment does wrong and it does almost everything well I think I know the reason in the end why why it's not knocking my socks off in something that I'm jonesing to watch more of okay, okay. that's fair that's fair so um, I think it's interesting too that this came out in 98 and 99 which is a, roughly the same time as Firefly and if you're a fan of Firefly you would enjoy this and now, am I getting at Joss Whedon copied off this? No. Uh, truthfully, they came out at about the same time, and it aired at a very inconvenient time in Japan initially at midnight, d- despite the fact it was very popular. Uh, but that does mean that it didn't really arrive here yet. In fact, back in the 90s, well, I mean, it, uh, anime didn't really... Uh, it took longer to get here, much longer to get here compared to today. Mm. And oh, so, thankfully, today is so much better. Oh, today is a hundred thousand times better. But back in the '90s, and even worse, the '80s, getting anime back then in the '80s was nigh impossible. '90s, you just had to sit and wait and hope to God you got it sometime in this century. Um, but and th- for that reason, I don't think Joss Whedon ever saw Cowboy Bebop. At least at the time he was writing Firefly, it just is one of those happy coincidences. But if you're a fan of one, you'll be a fan of the other. Essentially. Well, I also think that Joss Whedon is on record as saying that he got the idea for Firefly after reading The Killer Angels, and it made him start to think about how people who fought for a cause in a war, good or bad, 
would feel when that war was over about the actions they took living in the world that they didn't want to live in and failed to stop. And then he also said his original pitch was, there's nine people on a ship who look out into the blackness of space and see nine different things. Mm. And in Cowboy Bebop, I don't think you're really looking at people who have fought and lost a war. You're looking at people who have had things go very wrong in their past, become disillusioned with society, mm. and are living on the fringes of it as best as they can. It's a different thing. So I and, and the rest of it, a space western is not an original thing. Or not a space western is not original. Been around. It's a genre. It's a genre. And the idea that in the future uh, Asian culture would dominate in some hybrid um, also doesn't take much leaping to get to. Yeah, I mean, and well, that's not new. Look at Star Trek. It was called Wagon Train in Space yeah. by Gene Roddenberry. Now, well, Thomas, I keep stepping on you. What's up? I was about to say, the, the interesting thing is that this isn't even a, really a space western, almost, because it, it, it's set in this weird way that, A, it's post- apocalypse basically also mm-hmm. i mean it's For also basically yeah. yeah i mean earth is gone everyone's fled earth basically well it's not gone but it's, it's it, mostly empty yeah earth has been hit with national disasters ever since the moon basically got wiped out so it's not doing so hot humanity's fled and no longer really has any centralized governments I mean, it seems more of a non-nationalist state than... I, I guess cult. like a polis kind of thing with each planet, kind of. It doesn't yeah. get into it much, but you get right. that vibe that there's no central government or anything like that. Yeah, and, and that's why I'm like, it, it kind of has some... I'm not saying it's not Space Western, but it also has a whole bunch of other stuff thrown in. This is why it's weird. It's its own thing. Yeah. I Well, I would argue it's definitely Western. I mean, they're... Bounty hunters are called space cowboys for crying out loud. But I would I agree with you that it's Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would say it's definitely um it's definitely its own thing. That's for sure. So uh so we did it we took a about what is it, five, six episodes that we felt that Ruck and I felt were the best. And now Thomas had seen this, so yeah. But he wasn't going to disagree. I don't think Thomas could have disagreed with anything. This is all fresh and new to Scott, which is especially full, nice. Full disclosure, my experience with Cowboy Bebop has occurred in the last 24 hours. I have seen episodes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 16, and 24. Uh, I will say that I probably, for the completionist in me, and a little bit of interest in what's picked up by seeing it jump to the end, over time, go watch the rest of this. Because um, they're... As I watched more of it, I believe that I became a little bit more grabbed by it. So I can see why it's also described as a gateway to anime. Yeah. Yep. So there's a lot of influences in this. Uh, To get through the fun facts, there's a ton of Easter eggs. I mean, Spike himself is... Well, when you had uh, full creators who all had their own style and had their own creations from before. Oh, absolutely. In fact, Spike is like an amalgamation... Amalgamation? Amalgamation? Amalgamation. Amalgamation. (laughs) Amalgamation, That's that's your English professor, folks. Yeah. (laughs) I'm teaching people with less English. Welcome to Professor Lorenzi's (laughs) English class. Hey, you always- <laughs> Okay, Scott, your job is to teach gerunds. Go. Anyway, uh, so 
Spike is a combination of an actor, uh, Yusaku Matsuda, from the film Detective Story. He's definitely Bruce Lee, if you, can't, if you haven't caught on to that. Mm-hmm. In fact, we, don't, we didn't watch the episode, but in episode two, Stray Dog Strut, the fight between him and Hakim is pretty much a knockoff from Game of Death when Bruce Lee fought Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> I did watch Stray Dog Strut. I forgot about that. What? Oh, yeah, it was a complete knockoff. I mean, or homage, we could say, uh, because it was done with care. It wasn't just, I'm going to steal it. And Anyway, um, the, Scott mentioned, noticed this, an Easter egg. Uh, what was the license? Well, at, in the first episode, the bad guy's name is Asimov. Yep. Uh, I, I can't really tell you how obvious on the nose that is but what was the license plate at asimov's ship i don't know if it's intentional or not but it was ncc 1702 and why is that significant well the enterprise is ncc 1701 so i can't tell you if it is or isn't but to me that's where my mind went because of course it did i relate everything to star trek i look in my morning cereal and i have something related to star trek (laughs) he looks at the morning cereal and thinks how he's violating the prime directive also how he wished he has a replicator yeah well no matter how many times i just toss the remainder of my morning cereal in the sink and say sink return it still is there uh-huh, so it looks like... I, actually, I'm the one that wants the replicator. Although in the but. last three years, if I just toss my... No, I'm going to make a bad joke about since I got married, the cereal mysteriously disappears, but that's not true. <laughs> uh, I mean, what? It's Thomas, you had a, a fun Easter egg thrown in there for, about uh, Vicious, Spike's enemy. Yes, there is his bird... Oh, I am not even going to try to pronounce the bird that is on his shoulders because... I cannot pronounce that, and I'm not going to get lectured by the English professor on how you pronounce it. Um, but who can't seem to speak English today? Wow, man, the last two weeks, man, Mark is, or Thomas has been coming for Mark. I know. Yeah, Usually well. that's my job. Hey, I'm yeah, a, you can change roles. Go ahead. <laughs> um, hey, it's fun. What can I say? Um, I'm more subtle about it. <laughs> yeah, you hit him in the face with a hammer. Um, the bird in some versions of the story is the bird that the devil turns into in the Garden of Eden to watch uh, Adam and Eve when he sits on top of the uh, tree of life. That is in some stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that fits the character, definitely. Uh, we also have in the 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 show is also very much based on um, Lupine the Third. Lupin the Third was a uh, kind of a detective story treasure hunter. It was a good one from the oh, 70s or 80s. And Spike is based off Jingen, the main character, who always has a cigarette pointed downwards, which is why Spike's cigarettes are always angled downwards. We did call this a space western, but we forgot to add that it definitely has the detective noir. Oh, for that. Da- oh, yeah. Absolutely. Especially Equally as much. Black Dog Strut especially. Oh, yeah. Uh, little f- Scott, I, I, go on. I, sorry, I did want to say this as well because we're talking Star Trek. Um, I forget which episode it is, uh, but uh, it, I don't think it was one of the ones that we watched. But Faye escapes like a cryogenic capsule, um, and the serial number on the cryogenic ca- capsule is NCC 1701 B. 
which is uh, the Star Trek reference that you were mentioning with the Asimov license plate. Scott, does that number I mean anything to you? That's that's the that's the uh, for the Enterprise B, which you see briefly in Generations. Mm-hmm. Okay, then uh, the ship Captain Kirk dies on, which is interesting because Generations and anyway, may, I'm probably thinking way too much into this. Um, so the handguns used by Faye, Jet, and Spike were chosen particularly because the creator wanted a each character to have their own trademark firearm b uh he didn't want to use your standard ones because it would be boring to him and c he liked those weapons so spike uses a um let's see he uses a jericho 941 from israeli israeli defense force Faye uses a glock 30 uh and jet uses a valter uh falter p99 so and they and they were deliberately given to him because he the well the creator likes those guns plus he wanted each of them to have a trademark all Western weapons. Well, yeah, yeah. So uh, a few more Easter eggs. Almost every episode title refers to a song title or genre type of music. So, and I could go through that all, but uh, I'll just give you. Let's see. Uh, Asteroid Blues comes from a uh, song. All of them come from some song by a group like the Rolling Stones. Or, In fact, Ballad of Fallen Angels comes from the song Fallen Angel by King Crimson. And if you don't know who King Crimson is, he did a song called Court of the Crimson King, which, go YouTube it just so you can hear. Ah, ah, very much a, uh, one of its 70s songs. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, Gren, who is a character we did not see, but he was originally supposed to be... Desi- he's the... Well, he's a character in an honorable mention I'll make that um, he was a soldier in the army, fought with Vicious, and in the Titan War, after the war, Vicious turned him in, accused him of spying. Gren was... Uh, kidnapped, given experimental drugs to make him talk, and instead he grew a pair of breasts as a side effect. And so Gren and became hermaphroditic in nature. So Gren is basically living in a jazz club in a town where there's only women, more or less, and his whole goal in life is to kill Vicious because this was thwarted, foisted upon him. Gren was really supp- blame him though. Oh, no, I, I can't. Okay. <laughs> but what's happening, interesting, he was supposed to be designed as Brad Pitt with breasts, but the uh, creator couldn't do that. He couldn't picture it, so you got what you got. Interesting. That's weird. I know, right? Uh, let's see. Anything else I want to add? I think not. Um, oh, yeah, one more. Just in the episode... Um, they spike and vicious exchange weapons in a fight as an homage to a fatal quick draw in a better tomorrow. So you see, there's a lot more going on here, but th- I think that's pretty good. Unless Ruck, did you want to add anything to fun facts before we go into episodes? Um, I know. Um, the release of Cowboy Bebop in the United States, uh, it didn't come out until I want to say a one, uh, because mm-hmm. of. 9-11 uh, 9-11 like pushed the release date until like December I think of 2001 to the US Oh, I also believe 
if I might be mistaken on this one, but I'm pretty sure it was the first quote-unquote anime that was shown on, car- not Cartoon Network, on uh, Adult Swim, and it still shows to this day. Um, mm-hmm. And then I guess my final one is, it is very possible that um, I was conceived to an episode of Cowboy Bebop. Well, that just <laughs> makes this special for your involvement uh, today. Interesting. That's yeah. an interesting fact to know, I guess. Mom, Dad, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> Please text me but if thanks. this is correct. <laughs> uh, it'll, but, it'll be a, a good thing for you. Oh, yeah, but that's all I have. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's go through. We took five episodes. The first one was Asteroid Blues, which is the episode where Spike and jet hunt down a uh they track down the red-eyed coyote asimov mm. uh who's selling what's called red eye it's a drug you spray into your eyes and it gives you like um everything slows down and you start you don't feel pain and you can go nuts and in the end he f- you find out that asimov's girlfriend who is pregnant isn't really pregnant she's carrying a bunch of red eye as a baby just to smuggle it and Asimov ran to follow the wrong group, and Spike tries to free uh, Asimov's girlfriend from, uh, so she could go to Katarina's her name, so she could go to Mars. But in the end, Asimov gets so hopped up and takes them out into space that they they die in a police shootout, and she's okay with that because she knows if she has to go to Mars with this guy, it it's not worth it. Well, she shoots him, doesn't she? she shoots- at the end, she does. Yeah, and she's she the just, one who shoots. Them. She just lets her, and she just lets herself get shot up. Oh yeah. So, uh, very sad, of course. This episode. Next one is this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I have a few things to say about this episode. Oh yeah, go for this it. This episode um, is just flat out amazing. I loved. I love this episode so much. It's not it's my a great way to start. It's great my, way not, to start. Oh yeah, it's not my favorite episode. Uh, we'll talk about my favorite episode, but this this episode is ju- it introduces you to Spike and Jet so wonderfully, um, and it's it's just a nice way to introduce your two bigger main characters. And that this is like what writers should do when introducing. You shouldn't bring out your biggest threat right away uh, to to a to a to a hero. You should. Definitely let them deal with smaller things first. Uh, and it was just so amazingly written. And I, there are some specific moments that we can get to in Rips and Picks, but uh, I just love this episode so much. Right, right. And yeah, I guess we'll uh, do Rips and Picks at the very end. We'll just go through each episode. Um, but yeah, no, this was a great way to do it. I really like the mention you said about uh don't don't spill the beans on everything first don't try to world build all at once and uh, that'll be when i mention the comparison to netflix um <laughs> which is something i mentioned about ztf zodiac task force dot we got to stop asking for world building in every single episode and and i don't mean just a little i mean a lot we got to stop asking that every episode give the total backstory and set everything up no, you don't have to do that. Give me a reason to keep coming back. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. This, this, this starts normally 
90 at least percent of animes and most other things will normally start at the beginning of someone's journey. Mm-hmm. This plops you right at the end of some, you know, middle of these yeah. guys. I mean, they're turning, guys, they're starting a new chapter in their lives. Well, not, they've been bounty hunters for a while, but they've all had their dark past. Yeah. They're all struggling with their past. They're all, you know, separate and individually lonely and struggling with this. Mm-hmm. And it never needs, you don't see their full life. You never see, you see some of their past, but you don't see all of it. Yeah. And that's beautiful because it just drops you in with a backstory already there. So you all, they already have their past. You're not going to sit through there seeing the whole past, seeing the struggles they went through. No. It's, see, also, they it's, interact with actual emotions and react to each other because, again, they wrote them with a full past and drama and trauma and all that baked in. Yeah. It's so nice to be like, because the world around them doesn't make it feel awkward that you're just dropped into this scenario. You just accept it. You There's no like, whoa, whoa, wait, uh, where's all this? Where's all this? Where's all this? Because if you sit down and you just watch the first episode, it's... You get it. You get, you get what's happening. You don't need a million different explanations for, well, I don't know where this character came from. You accept Spike for who he is. You accept Jet for who he is. And you accept that they're the quote-unquote good guys in this story hunting down this, uh, hunting down Asimov and uh, Sofia Vergara in anime form. Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's just nice for an anime to not open up with... Years and years ago, this is the entire backstory of everything yeah, that's happened. And, and, that's, and that's really, a, a, I would say, a skill that has been lost amongst a lot of modern writers. And I, like I said, I kind of, it's not his fault, but it, it's kind of George R.R. R. Martin's fault. Not because he was aiming for them all to do that, but everyone now wants to do, everyone now wants to do George R.R. R. Martin. Which they forget. Yeah, you can do that, but notice who hasn't finished his book. <laughs> Nothing so. sells like success. So, uh, you know what? Why not? We'll just tweak things a little bit. Since we're still on this episode, uh, let's do some rip- rips and picks of just this episode. We'll just do, you know, each three or four. Um, one pick I want to do is the animation. The animation really conveys the feeling, especially at the end when Vicious is flying out of the planet and he's all hopped up on Red Eye and Katarina looks over and she clearly is like concerned for him, sad for herself and all. You just see the palette of anguish. It's not Vicious, that's Asimov, right? Asimov, yeah. Asimov, thank you. Thank you. Uh, You see the palette of angst that is she's going through and then that final scene with her just floating in space and Spike looking on dismayed like I couldn't save her. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, he gives in, but it really is. And it's unapologetic. It ends there. There's no more discussion. There's no backstory. There's no tragic backstory in a talk about the feelings. It just well, ends there. And they realize get the end or journey of what you learn today. 
it just ends. It's, it ends. It's it like, is well, what that's it is. what it is. Okay, we're done. Well, so. I would call this a pick as well because you don't need you don't need someone to spell it out for you. It's there. It, I mean, unless you're the most unobservant person in the world, I mean, you, you don't need someone to tell you what the tragedy of this episode is and that this episode is a tragedy and that it ends in loss. And she was trying to support this guy. Be, you know, they were partners in an operation, and he lost his way, became addicted to the own stu- his own stuff that he was selling. And there is no Mars. There was no endgame. She can't get out of it. She had a goal in mind with her life of crime, and he lost sight of that. And, and you don't need someone to explain that to you. It's all there. The tragedy and the sadness and the remorse and pain in her eyes as she realized that the way out was for her to kill them both. Mm in a double suicide murder suicide deal basically um you, you just don't need it explained yeah. that's powerful that's good writing mm-hmm. yeah speaking of uh good writing this episode does a very good job of making you comfortable with the characters and letting you know what they're all about um two specific ones that come in mind one of my favorite moments in the entire uh an entire season is at the beginning uh, or towards the beginning where we where Spike meets Catalina and Asimov. Uh, Spike is at a gas station. He bumps into Catalina. He eats a hot dog out of her grocery bag and steals a few things. And then he's talking to her and ends up getting choked out by Asimov and he faints. Um, and when he wakes up, Jet is there and he says the line, uh, he says, I was having the best dream. And Jet just ha- just kind of chuckles and goes, all right, let's go save the day. Um, and it's a nice uh, moment where you get the, the character building, where Spike uh, has this new... Uh, he has this character built around him where he's not a bad person. He's a good person. He wants the best for everybody. But he's still going to get his bounty um, at the mm-hmm. end of the day so that he can eat. Um, so he's looking out for other people while also looking out for himself. And another one is uh, Jet. At the beginning and at the end of the episode, he's cooking the... What was it? It was uh, peppers? <laughs> the bell peppers, bell and, peppers beef. and Yeah. It's, and there's no beef in there's this. There's no beef. So then it's so? So that means it's not bell peppers and beef. You're sure it is. Well, it's not! Exactly. And Someone spent a million dollars on <laughs> repairs. <laughs> Exactly. And that's the type of character building that I like. It's uh you get to see a bit more of their relationship as well. And this episode does it a fantastic job at opening that up and opening up who these two characters are and what are they to each other. Well you also notice and many times these episodes end where they began. Yeah. He cooks at the beginning, he cooks at the end. Yeah. They end where they begin because most of the time nothing's you know, it's just life. They started a casino, a they ended a casino. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. passing in the night. They run into some situation, they the situation's over, move Moving on. Moving on. Yeah. And this is a great episode to get you into that. Um <laughs> I have a rip. Oh, there's a rip. Okay. Yeah. Not I don't many think rips today. <clears throat> I don't think Rage is gonna like this rip, but yeah, whatever. It's an anime. Um, yes, but I think you could have started it without showing conical-shaped, 
spaceships flying through multiple rings. Oh in yeah. Space. Okay. So let's get this out of the way because <laughs> Scott has to. Let's Aww. get the fr- let's get the Freudians out of the way. I'm yes, spaceship looks like a uterus. Spice ship looks like a penis. We're going through space. We're conquering it. Freud. 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 I can't Freud. be. There I just can't be the only person who sees the Freudian and thinks maybe you could have done this. Your hyperspace transport flies through rings, and your ship looks like. No, genitalia. because I'm not Robert California where everything is sexualized and I view everything as sex and Freud, 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 Freud. All right. Can I get a second and third opinion? Am I off for seeing that? Do you think I'm the only one who I saw that? I didn't say you're wrong. I'm just <laughs> saying I didn't immediately go there. <laughs> Penis. Because after, after that, thank you very much. I looked at Faye's ship and went, oh, great. It's a uterus. <laughs> <laughs> not that we know that we that was deliberate. But here we go. Now I'm seeing it. So thank you, Freud. Hmm. You know, I didn't see Faye's ship as looking like a uterus, so who's the one who's got the Freudian issues? You started Who's it. the freak <laughs> now, Mark? Path. I saw the obvious. I didn't you go know, to the not, next we're level. We're not getting into a discussion about this. We're moving on. <laughs> so, the next episode. Next episode was, I believe, Ballad of Fallen Angels. Uh, I think next one Correct. was Honky Tonk. Five. No, we didn't. Oh, we, we didn't, didn't watch Hockey. I Talk watched it, but it I wasn't. That wasn't Talk. on the list. Although that that I, will be a uh, an honorable mention, though. Oh, yeah. So let's just stick to the one. Ballad of Fallen Angels is largely regarded as one of the most famous episodes of this show. Uh, you're introduced to Vicious Spike's nemesis. You don't get a lot about him, but you get the gist that Vicious was. Spike was in the Red Dragon uh, crime cartel, and Vicious was after the Red Dragons, or after the leadership of it, and they even say, if Spike were here, none of this would be happening. And so, you get this brilliant fight in a church, and it ends with right in front of the stained glass, and Spike uh, gets knocked out of the glass, and you get that slow-mo fall with the music, and then you get to see him with his uh, love interest. Oh, suddenly I forget her name. Julia. 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 And but it is just such. A, and the song "Walking in the Walk in the Rain" while he's walking towards the church to meet with Vicious. Everything about this is set up in such a way that it builds anticipation. Yeah, it's meant for you to look at. And realize you're seeing the years of pent up frustration in the fight. You don't need the explanation. It really does fall on the maxim show, don't tell. I don't need to be told the background. I see it. That, that yeah. would be my pick on this episode is that um, you get everything you're ever going to need to really know about Spike's character in this episode, and they did it. As as Rage said, they showed it to you. No one came out with exposition, and you didn't have another character have to explain to you why this thing between Spike and Vicious exists, and why Spike is the the broody person that he is. Yeah. So, any other uh, picks? Um, I, I I just love the fight. I love the right before you get the fall uh, spike falling out of the window. You get that awesome image of him pointing the gun at vicious and vicious, like trying to stab him. And you get that awesome just moment 
which is I personally I think it's one of the most iconic moments in anime period. Uh, and I just love, like you guys are saying, like you don't see everything, but you can start connecting the dots of what's happening uh, in his background. And what's great about that, too, is you don't see, unlike, again, not trying to get too far ahead, but unlike the Netflix show, which goes out of its way to show you what's Vicious doing in the background, you don't see any of that here. I don't need to see it. Uh their machinations become evident when they show up on screen. Yeah. So, plus Julia in the Netflix show is a bad guy angling for Spike. Yeah, she's what? the main villain. Why? I don't know, man. And yeah, yeah, that'll be one of the reasons that the show on Netflix. Starts. I liked two other little touches. One is that Jet alludes to what you will find out in episode 24. Four, I believe, or 16, 24. Why? No, 16. Why he lost his arm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, I tried oh, to yeah, get ahead yeah. of the game, and this is the price that I paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, you find out, you even have an allusion there to why Jet is the way he is. And then just a nice touch. I love when Faye thinks that she's working an angle and she's ahead of everybody <laughs> sneaking into the balcony. Yeah. And they're well ahead of her. Oh, my know goodness. Know exactly who she is and set her down next to in the seat. Did they take your seat next to the dead cartel boss? Dude. Yeah. yeah. When I tell you that uh, the beginning scene of Ballad of Fallen Angels is fantastic, just the way it's set up, where uh, Vicious comes in and literally kills everybody. And that's 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 an awesome way to like I don't want to say introduce a villain, but it's just an awesome way to show that your villain is bad, like without overdoing it. Like I'm killing an entire planet. You don't need to kill an entire planet. Have him do it within his motives. Have him do it within his uh, his means. Him going in and killing the two big head honchos of the Red Dragon, and I forget who the other guy was, but that's that's the perfect way to set up this. Uh, this episode as well as well, the he, scene where a, uh, he talks he's a villain but he's not overdone yeah yeah as well as the scene where spike goes and talks to oh i forget her name the shop owner where the little kids were looking at the nudie mags um yeah <laughs> where he's sitting there and he has that moment where he like stops the lady from taking a drink and he's like i'll i'll drink this one for uh our fallen boss i like that as well yeah all right, moving right along, that takes us to, I believe, Black Dog Serenade. Did I miss one? Uh, Waltz for Venus. One. Waltz for Venus. Waltz for Venus. Uh, oh, geez, I thought that was later. Okay. So, this one, uh, Spike meets Rocco Bonaro, who is on the run from the same mob crew that's tracking... Um, they're tracking. They're trying to steal a very rare and valuable plant, which he plans to sell to pay for surgery to restore his sister's eyesight. And uh, so, Waltz for Venus. Let's do some rips and picks on that one. I like the character of Rocco. I think he's very well done. I think he's annoying, but not too annoying. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think his arc in the story is very cool where he goes from being on this plane, seeing uh, Spike do the really cool, uh, obviously Bruce Lee inspired, inspired martial arts. And then at the end of the right. episode doing 
the same thing before he is spoilers killed. Um, I think that's a cool arc for him. Um, and I just, I, I enjoyed it. The character of Rocco just overall, I think a lot of people like to think of themselves like as the main character, like, Oh, I'm such a spike or I'm such a jet. But whenever I watch this episode, I'm like, man, I'd probably be a lot like Rocco. Just very excited to like be around this cool dude and wanting him to teach me everything and stuff like that. Yeah. That, and, the, and the way they, they obviously put in the Bruce Lee references, like, you have to be like water. Yeah. So, yeah. That, w- that was one of the, actually one of the first episodes I saw. That might have been actually the second, but still very memorable. Anything you guys want to add before we move on? Uh, I, I have more <laughs> to add overall here. It's not per se about the single episode here. Okay. okay you know, yeah, go ahead. Well, it kind of does, and kind but the we'll go for it. animation of each character mm-hmm. is unique. Yeah. Bachnose has their own. It, it, if you look, each character, when they're moving, when they're on screen, has a very unique style to them. And that stands out and really shines through what their character's about. I mean, even meeting this I mean, new character here. You kind of get what they're about just from how they stand and how they're shown on screen. Mm-hmm. That, that that's what I was going with, but you can take it or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the subtle way that you get. I think an important insight. Maybe I'm wrong because I need to see more episodes, but I think you get a good insight into Spike's character here in. <clears throat> Why he ends up teaching Rocco, and at the end, there's two things that stand out to me. When the sister is talking to Spike and saying, everyone thinks he's bad, but he has good in him, and everyone, you have good in you too, and that's why I'm sharing my tea with you. And then at the end, she says, I've never seen him with my own eyes. And he says, he's exactly who you thought he always was. You saw him better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Um... Spike and Rocco needed to be reassured that they were still good people. Mm-hmm. The lives that they have taken, the things that they have done, uh, Rocco is doing illegal things with a higher motive in the end, and he's saying that his ends justify his means. Spike is doing legal things as a bounty hunter, but for, I'll sit on this still, but for what I think is to be a different reason. But Spike also needs to be reassured that he is a good person because of the things that he's done in the past when they maybe weren't for such good ideals. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she offers that to him, and he reciprocates it by offering it to her at the end that her brother was truly the good person that she thought he was. Mm. Yeah. I, that was almost a deep meaning. Almost. It was very close. Um, yeah. Another I'm little warming up to it. <laughs> Another little small moment I really like from this episode is how they the uh, gang members catch Rocco, where he goes into the bathroom to take a leak, and then they're all like, "We can't find him!" And then they all are surrounding him without him knowing, <laughs> or without them knowing for yeah. a minute. I love it when anime do that, where they just take a second to be like, "Yeah, life can be silly sometimes," like this. So I, sure, that's sure. another one of my favorite moments from this episode. 
Okay. Next is Black Dog Serenade. This one, we get a little bit of background from Jet. An ISSP prison ship suffers a mechanical malfunction and is taken over by the inmates, who is led by uh, Udai Taksim, who's a syndicate assassin who ended up, who took Jet's arm when he was serving with the ISSP. And then Jet's former partner, Fad, enlists him for the retrieval operation. And uh, that's, like I said, this is the one where we get a little bit of background on Jet's detective past, how he lost his arm, and uh, I would say that that this one is really, uh, again, it's a nice background episode. Uh, And what's this? Uh, What's your, what did you want to say to that? I'm sorry. Uh, I love this episode. It's my favorite episode. Um, Black Dog Serenade. Black Dog Serenade is my favorite uh, episode. You might say uh, it kind of relates to uh, my other podcast, Cold Case Chase. Uh, because of mm-hmm. its detective no- detective noir style, um, mm-hmm. this was the first episode I ever saw of Cowboy Bebop. I love Udai. I think he's a great villain for Jekt. I love the uh, dynamic between at the end where Jekt and Fad they're having that moment where you know Fad only has one bullet in his gun, but Jekt doesn't, and he goes and he shoots him, and then you put the cigarette in fad's mouth and he's just like, I, 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 I knew I couldn't quit. And that's just a cool moment. And yeah. just in yeah. general, like, even though it is a backstory episode, I love the twist ending. You could kind of see it coming a little bit, but not really. Um, where fad was the one who shot jet, uh, and made him lose his arm. Uh, I wish they played a bit more into Udai, uh, during the episode making him do more bloody and gory things which is weird because i typically don't like bloody and gory anime (laughs) um but i wish that (laughs) i wish that they did more with udai uh and like i said it's my favorite episode love the character of jet period so yay (laughs) Mm -hmm. i i can get it it's a out of all the different styles and things that they kind of play with it I mean, this noir tone that they set here is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a detective story, essentially. Yeah. But again, they decided to go with a iconic look, and they nailed it. Completely. I don't know if this can be a real rip or not. Um, first off, I'll say that I do like the detective noir style of this episode. I love the fact that you hinted at something in episode five, and you paid it off in, uh, what is this, 24? Or is this 16? 16. This is six. This is yeah. 16. You paid it off 11 episodes later in 16. At one point, the, the, the hijacker, the criminal, is making an announcement that we apo- uh, death row inmates, <laughs> this flight is being redirected, and the pilot goes, you're not going to get away with it. If you turn yourself in now, you can, you can what? They're on death row waiting to be executed. (laughs) They can what if they turn themselves in? They can die with a clear conscience. Get executed? Or or the way to get off death row is to hijack a prison flight, kill a whole bunch of people and take some hostages, and use that as leverage to get in and get off death row. Hmm? Like, I, I understand that you're nervous, you're about to die, you've seen your friends die, but like, 
what are you offering yeah. the people sitting on death row? And the reason I say I don't know if this is a rip or not, because at one point they're on death row. Then next they're talking about their life in prison sentences. So are they on death row? Mm. Or are they life in prison? Interesting point. Some of them Because if they're be, life maybe? in prison, the pilot makes sense. Either way, if they're on life, it's like, if it's a life sentence, it's like, what am I going to do? You're just tack on another life sentence. Who cares? I'm well, not going the other anyway. They might kill you as they shoot you out of the sky. Sure, sure. But from the prisoner's point of view, it's like, uh, you're going to add another life sentence. I'm not going to be able to serve it. So, okay. But I, I had to say it because I couldn't. Well, there's my dog in the background. I had to say it because I couldn't not, as I watched it, um, just said something about death row. And then the next thing he says, if you turn yourself in yeah. now, you can still, and he shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's almost like the show saying, yeah, no. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, I liked it because it was like honest. I mean, these guys are hardened criminals that this is their only hope to escape, really. And this guy's just tr- pulling out whatever out of his butt here. And, yep. And he, that, hey, if you give yourselves up, really? Really, you moron? Yeah. I tried, I guess. <laughs> Final episode. At least he tried. <laughs> Final episode uh, we checked out for this review was Hard Luck Woman. This is the sad episode for me. Because what happens is the Earth has been pelted with meteorites and largely abandoned. And there is a guy, his name is Ziniz Hesap Luftin Appeldei. Appeldei? I don't know. Apple of the eye? Uh, And so he, along with another guy whose name is what again? I can't believe I forgot. McIntyre. McIntosh? Mackin whatever. (laughs) He keeps messing it up. But the two guys drive around the Earth and try to map out the Earth. What's left of the Earth. For what's left of it. And every time there's a meteor strike, the map changes topographically. So they go around and make topographical changes of the Earth every time there's a meteor strike so they can fix, they can do order from chaos. Sisyphus thinks this is a stupid task. (laughs) Yes. So what happens is the Bebop is forced to make an unscheduled stop on Earth and then Faye, who has been learning a little bit about her past, decides she wants to go find her birthplace. So she leaves the Bebop and says, I'm going to go find out about my past. And she convinces Ed to do the same. And Ed learns that his father's on the planet doing this. He just doesn't know where. So he puts a bounty out on him for 50 million Wulong, which is enough to make Spike and Jet go looking for him. But then when they find him, they look closer at the, the bounty and it's 50 point, meaning 50 cents, essentially. And uh, the father, um, Siniz, just says, well, Ed, do you want to come with me? And Ed later decides, yes. And just writes bye-bye in the ship and leaves, and then Ayn follows Ed. And the show, and it ends so depressingly because Jet gets a bunch of eggs from Ed's dad as payment for reuniting them and he makes all the eggs for dinner but he makes a plate for everybody mm. and it ends with Jet and Spike eating all the eggs because it's just them two again and what's so sad about this is there's a part I forget which episode where Spike says Jet I don't like three things pets kids 
and women who talk back, and all three are on my ship. <laughs> and by this episode, you can tell that he actually got used to having them around, and now they're gone. Well, it's, and it's a sad, really sad episode. Yeah. It's also kind of the ending. Yeah, it, it's kind of the ending. Yeah, it's breaking up the band so the last two characters can go and have their final arc. Yeah. I'll pick something I do like. Uh, you mentioned that Jet was getting used to having them around. You see even in, um, I think it is in Black Dog Serenade, where Jet thinks he's going to die uh, on when he goes to fight uh, Udai. He gives the bonsai trees to Ed, and she's like, Oh, I get to take care of the bonsai trees? Awesome! And she like goes to town on them, but you can tell that he like is getting used to them. Uh, and yeah. that, like, that character development is so nice. And something else I want to say real quick before I hand it over to you guys. Young Matt had such the hots for Faye. I didn't have good English, but I'm I... I'm surprised. Huh, young me loved Faye. And we'll talk about why I absolutely hate the live action one because of Faye. Um, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> yep. That's next up on the job. Oh, that's after the next point. So, well, uh, I got to pick. I, I, <laughs> I love that. Um, Ed's father disarms them both with eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throws eggs at their guns and they're like, Oh, <laughs> well, these bounty hunters, Get disowned by eggs. And That's then, all you had to do to beat them was eggs. And then it's an actual fight. Like Spike's even like, oh, I didn't expect a fight, but okay. And then he's just destroying him like Neo in the Matrix. Like he's not even interested. Yeah. He, he hits hard too. So, <laughs> and then that's when Jet looks at the bounty and goes, wait a minute, 50 point. Oh, you did this just so we would find him. <laughs> Rip and. Okay, this is a rip, but okay, it's a pick and a rip. I love this, but it's also a rip, and then it turns into another rip. When Faye finds um, the nun who was taking Ed in, mm. she says her dad forgot that he left her in a daycare center. Yeah, and then and he's been looking for her for the last seven years. Um, you forgot. That you left your daughter. Hey, Scott, in a give him a center. break. He had a big bowl of chili prior to that. <laughs> and then she's, you know, he's not the best father, but no, I'm not giving this kid back to anyone who forgot they put her in a daycare center for the day and then couldn't remember which one. Yeah. But then he's looking for her, he's reunited with her, and. He wasn't really looking. A meteor crashes right after he says, would you like to come with me? Meteor crashes, and he flies off without waiting to see if she comes with him. What's going on? Where to find her? Well, off for uh, our daughter? No, meteor! Explains Ooh, why squirrel. Ed is so messed up, I guess. So, Father person appears to just flat out be a loser as father person. Well, he yeah. has a very important task to do. Oh, yeah, I gotta map out topographically the Earth that no one lives on yeah That's dude you're, you're a father now your responsibilities are what is i what am i supposed to do correctly as a father then what is i what am i supposed to do correctly for my career and if you're a husband well then that's got to slide in there before that but your other roles have to come behind your role of being a father not unless you're this guy 
Well, again, had to bring order out of chaos. Oh, absolutely. To make, to make a better life for your daughter, you had to make order out of chaos. That's Which a never, mm. was a never-ending process. Yeah, in that case, no. Yeah, no. So, Special, especially on Earth, where, yeah, those meteors are, most, are pretty much chunks of the moon, and good luck. Good luck. So, a few notes, a few honorable mentions. I would say uh, Honky Tonk Women, Woman. Oh, the casino this episode. introduces Faye. Yeah, where they introduce Faye. Uh, it's just a good introduction of Faye, and you get to see how casinos work, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, Heavy Metal Queen is a fun honorable mention for me. It's basically about space truckers fighting a fake space trucker, and it's about a woman who listens to heavy metal and has a heavy metal cat that floats through gravity. Uh, I, I mean, that's great for me. <laughs> that's everything I like. Uh, Jamming with Edward is fun. That's where Ed shows up. But uh, I also want to mention uh, Speak Like a Child. In fact, any of those episodes where Faye's background is divulged, you find out that she, long story short, uh, was part of a crash. She's from Singa- a wealthy family in Singapore, 77 years prior to the show. And, and what happened? Woman out was, of time. Yeah, there was a, sh- yeah, she, uh, there was a, sh- uh, the ship crashed and she was put in cryo-freezing. She woke up and she had a lawyer trying to help her to get through all her bills. But unfortunately, the lawyer turned out just to be a scam artist who, uh, convinced her he died and then she put her thumb to a contract and she assumed all of his debt or rather the doctor forced her and she's been on the run ever since but in speak like a child uh Faye is uh wastes money on horse racing and a betamax tape shows up to the bebop and jet and spike have to go on a little quest to find a betamax player so they could watch this and the fact that they go to a guy who's like watching 90210 and he's so and he's like, you can't smoke around this old electronic equipment. Well, OK, so he puts a cigarette out, a cigarette out on a VCR. What's wrong with losing money on horse racing? <laughs> and it's not about nothing, Scott. Absolutely and, uh, nothing, especially when you get yelled at constantly on Discord for it. <laughs> yes exactly uh but the tape turns out to be a time capsule at Faye, and it's really interesting uh let's see and i guess you know well puro lefou was fun with that assassin oh yeah uh i think yeah. i think that would be uh those would be my honorable mentions well there's only 26 episodes right yep yes and we watched five of them yep and i feel like mark just added in a dozen Nah, there's a bunch i didn't know <laughs> well that is the thing about the show there isn't even the bad episodes and i use bad here in loosely case, loosely yes they're not bad because yeah they might be slower or not get as not be as entertaining as the other one but it's still gets something done because again nothing gets done and that's the whole point of it <coughs> but the, again it, again will change genres and 
styles, and it will do something different right. every time. And you will get to see that different side of it. So even the you know, ones that aren't as exciting was different. Mm-hmm. Any uh, rips and picks in general of the show we want to mention before I get to the final point before we rate this thing? I got a pick. All right. Yeah, I got the one. Music. Oh, oh yep. the music is so iconic. It's it's about the one of the few good. Po- okay, it's one of the two or three good points of the Netflix show. They got the same composer. Oh, that's yeah. clear. That's but, what's amazing. All the different styles was the same composer. Yeah. Yes. Well, Hugh is a another pick I have. All right. I kind of mentioned on how each character has their walk, their style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about? The, the main three characters have lost their, I don't know if childhood is the right response. Their lives. They have given up on life in that innocent way. Life has beat them down. Mm-hmm. And then you get a new character introduced. And all three of them kind of take that character in together. Because they all see in them something they've lost. I love mm. Ed. Ed is the best. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, probably, that was Scott's deep meaning, right? This has been Thomas's deep Deep meaning. meaning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I will elaborate on this because Thomas stole a little bit of my... Sorry. I was going to toss it in my my review. No, you know what? I'll save it for my ranking and review. Oh, okay. Yep, it fits well there. All right. Ruck, you um, had a rip, or I mean a pick. I do, and it's the theme song. Theme song is iconic. Oh, my gosh. Um, Absolutely. It, it, when you talk about theme songs in anime, this one comes up either number one or number two in most iconic anime openings. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And personally, it's my favorite. I love the little bass line, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. I love it so much. Um, the intro as well, the animation for the intro, that is also iconic where you see, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's also one of the things for, um, the live action as well. I think they got somewhat good, which was the opening. Um, I love the little spike, uh, spike smoking a cigarette. Um, yeah. And I love just that this anime doesn't pull any punches it's not trying to coddle to kids which is nice where a lot of anime at the time or a lot of cartoons that were coming over to america were starting to coddle to kids um i mean you have this one and then a little bit later you'll also have stuff like uh the original Teen Titans, uh, and you'll also have Avatar, where those are more geared towards kids, but they have heavier subjects in them. But this was the one that mm-hmm. was like, nope, this is meant for adults, and that's why it was airing on Adult yeah. Swim and everything. So I think that was another thing that really made me happy. I was like, okay, this is an adult show. Like they're not gonna oh, have sure. those moments where you're like, oh, we can't say this word, or oh, we can't do this because there are kids watching. <laughs> Well, it's also, it, it does adult themes without going gory or sexual. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't rely on the sex or the gore to make it adult. No, it touches on adult problems, adult issues that are there. And it doesn't have to rely on the others to get it there. Um, 
I, I do have a question because I did not watch the Netflix because I just no. <laughs> so considering I there's apparently two people who who have at least decided to uh, endure it. Mm-hmm. How bad was it? Well, that's kind of the next point. Um, well, before we get into that, I'll give my one extra pick. I like the uh, the. What's the name of the show that they always watch? It's like, howdy there, cowboy. Oh, oh. that's good. Yes. Uh, that always shows the uh, bounties Big that are shot for the bounty hunters big or shot, something. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah big shot for bounty hunters. It, it yeah. makes it, again, the universe feel alive. Because, again, there's shows going on within the show and this things. Mm-hmm. It, it allows that whole universe to feel like it's actually a living thing. Yeah. I mean, the characters doing mundane Tasks also does that. Right. And the fact that they, incidentally, um, have uh, the, the ship, the Bebop, kind of looks like the Firefly, the, the Serenity at some points where they sit. Again, that's just incidental. But uh, to get to the Netflix show, um, well, Ruck mentioned this. The intro is really good. They kept the same song. And they did the same thing, except they had the actors doing it. Yeah. And it was, it's, it's very good. I, very good. I will say, though, they have modern technology. Um, and I know uh, when the Bebop intro was first made in 1998, when it was like Eight. first, yeah, when it was first being made, like that was all like they were moving all the things with their hands and they were doing it old animation style. But now, yeah. like, you can still, with CG and, and computer-generated stuff, like, it, it was just barely better. And they still had some trouble with some things in the intro, like the cigarette lighter and everything. But I think yeah. that they did a will a good job emulating it for, like, what real life would, would probably look yeah, like. Yeah, it, it was really well done. Um, what else was good? Uh, let's see. I would that say it ended. The, no, <laughs> I guess the look of it was good, but that lights like so many things uh, modern today. The looks great. If you just evaluated it by the look, there would be nothing to complain about, uh, or very little to complain about. But uh, my other third point is that. Uh, John Cho did a great job as Spike and mm-hmm. Mustafa Shakir did a great job as Jet. It becomes clear that these two are clearly the only people that gave a crap and watched the entire show, oh, the yeah. original, before they did this. It's clear they're the only ones that tried to emulate their characters. Everyone out. Well, okay, the, the actor that played Ed, who was that? Um, whoever played Ed tr- did a halfway decent job, too. After that, um, everyone else, apparently, including the writers and everyone else, never bothered to watch the show and felt did that modern writer thing of, well, canon's overrated and stupid and it's my show and none of you have anything to say about it. Well, canceled after one season, I'd say they do. Yeah. But that's it, really. So it's kind of a meh. It, it's, it, oh, okay. Complete. Well, it's so even just a meh. They missed the point. Can, may, may I uh, utter this one first, Ruck, please? Yeah, go for it. Soapbox time? It's, yes. Okay. The vulgarity of it. 
Ah, you it took is, it. I am so sick of modern writers thinking that let's be edgy, dark, psychological, and edgy. We got to drop F-bombs all the time, and the women have to say F all the time, and they all got to be like this. It's... it. You're not edgy by dropping the F-bomb every once in a while. You're actually just foul-mouthed. Yeah. Um, I like how Gene Wilder put it. Gene Wilder was once asked if he would swear on camera. And he said, yeah, sure, if there's a point to it. But in his films, there never was a point to it. But now, I can almost picture the writer's room where someone writes a script and they hand it over and go, hey, where's the swearing? Uh, what? Why do you need to overswear? There's no point. It doesn't enhance anything. It makes you look like a 12-year-old that just learned they can swear. Um, so when I write my quick grants, if I ever do them again, I shouldn't look back at the script and say, I think I should throw the F word in in three or four different places here just because. Yeah, I don't, don't used do to that. do that. I'm like, hey, I haven't sworn. Where can I yeah, mix in Yeah, don't do that. It doesn't really work. <laughs> well, um, I think, it, it, again, it depends on your characters. Yeah, but it, that didn't fit here. No, I, it I didn't agree. fit. Um, the other thing too with that is just I'll probably tag team this with Ruck and uh, Faye. Okay, can I can I please completely do this? Can I, can I ruined Faye? Please so I'm gonna let, let I'm gonna let Rusk start off with this because Faye was utterly ruined. Faye. Okay, let me say this real quick. Here's how you ruin a character. Y'all know how you take do it? it you don't w- w- take anything from the original source material and you throw it all away. I absolutely yep. okay. I don't know if it was the actress. Her name is um what's her name? Uh Daniela Pineda. Uh, I think that's Daniela her name. Pineda. She mm-hmm. I don't know if it was her or the writers. Somebody uh, I'll bleep this out later, but somebody f-ed up. Somebody straight up did because Oh, they did. Um one I hate the order that the episodes go in where Faye is introduced in the first episode. Where right away, right with away, the gun to spikes back. Yes, you don't get that the cool intro from uh, Hard Luck Woman, where she has to go to a casino and she's like this dealer she and up a she, store. Yeah, they they combine like four different episodes in the first episode, and it's annoying. Faye also, um, by the way, is just not herself. Like, there's no fun to no. Faye, and she swears every third word, which was really like not. Like, okay, I can get swearing. Yeah, I swear every now and then. I just did, like, ten seconds ago. I don't do it so often, and I don't really know a lot of people who swear every fifth word, man. Like, it's... Yeah. it's Well, just when she's out of in character. the bathroom. Oh, yeah. When they lock her in the bathroom, and then they open it up to talk to her, and she goes, hey, hey, F you! It's like, wait, why would you do that? Oh, right, I get it. You have she to has to punk. be a jerk now. Yeah. Well, and not only that, the, the fact is they took her from a down-on-her-luck-but-always-trying lovable character to a cursing, hard-drinking, why is she repairing the ship? I thought that was Jet's job. And, oh, she sleeps with every woman that moves. And, of course, she's a lesbian. Of course yep. she is. Of course she is. Well, and, uh, Ruining every I, wet I, dream I, young Matt had. And no, that's not the <laughs> It wasn't even just why. that. It also is, and I'm, I'm copying what um, Danica, the comic book girl 19, said about Loki. There's a certain degree of sex appeal that Faye used to get what she wanted. Yeah. 
and it made the character fun. And female Loki does the same thing. Instead, what you did was turn the character into my 45-year-old mom who teaches women's studies and is very angry at me. And I don't, I'm not having fun anymore. I feel terrible. I feel like every time I look at original Faye that I'm doing horrible things. Oh, man. I will, I feel like I will give one. Wait, we have an interesting comment about that comment. Yeah, good. Okay. Um, no, I'm just. He just says he feels like. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, hey. I do have one pick for, for the live action Bebop that, that I I was very surprised by because, the first scene, which is an original scene, it's not in, the um oh the casino yeah there's a casino scene in the very beginning of episode one where I actually I I was enjoying it it was funny. It was nice. It was stupid, but it felt like a campy anime. And I was like, yeah, this feels okay. And then until, every, until uh, they left and went to the police station and you meet, I, I don't even know his name. I think it was the guy pretending to be fad. Um, mm-hmm. And I was, he's like, uh, he's Jet's new, uh, or Jet's ex-wife's new husband or something. And it's like, one, why does Jet have a daughter and an ex-wife right now? That's changed, but okay, whatever. Uh, two, also, why is this dude boning Jet's wife as well? Yeah, Why'd that's another one. And they kept... This? And Jet kept going on, I gotta get a birthday gift. Why? What? Do you think this adds... What? The character wasn't real enough for you? Oh. I'm sorry, do we have to add the word grounded? What, they weren't grounded enough? You have to add a daughter? Yeah. Why? I know, like, something I wish they did with the live action. Uh, I wish they followed suit a little bit more to the anime. Followed at least the basic plot points. Like, because like I just said, I loved that intro casino scene. I thought it was fun and I thought it was interesting. And I, I was laughing when the dude came out of the bath, the fat dude came out of the bathroom and he was taking a crap while they were doing a heist. And Spike, I think it was Spike says, yeah. he goes, who takes a while they're who doing does a that? heist? Uh, that's two bleeps, Rock. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> what do I not get paid for? But, um, but true. <laughs> um, but uh, when like you do stuff like that uh that's okay and i want you to have a little bit of fun with it with also respecting the original source material and having those um having those same plot points but don't go overboard kind of like um scarlett johansson in ghost in the shell where it just felt like well this is just a crappier version of what ghost in the shell was um yeah but don't go so far gone that it becomes the live action Death Note, where it's like, oh, well, this isn't anything like what real Death Note was. So, in simpler terms, not so great. And they messed up big time in a few th- areas. Yeah. So, yeah. I recommend the whole I'm, I'm good. I'm definitely not going to the watch it then. The whole theme of it and the feel, like, like many things written by modern writers who get these roles because they're cheap, and I mean, like, you can pay them less, uh, they fundamentally don't care about what they're picking up. Mm. Um, they don't, their view is that 
it's mine now and I can do what I want with it. And then they like to throw that alternate universe out there. The bottom line is, you know, who I really feel bad for and that is John Cho and Mustafa, who clearly yeah. were trying. And they deserve if John Cho and Mustafa, if ever you come across this, I'm telling you right now, you deserved a better shake. Seriously. You really did. You deserved you guys deserved another crack at it. John Cho and is the perfect actor if, for Spike too. He really yeah, is. If you ever if they somehow manage to reignite it or like restart it and say, let's try again but make it Cowboy Bebop, I would hope they pick you too. Yeah. I hope they would say as a holdover and, and the guy the person who played Ed would work too. But at the very least, you two guys bring you back. You guys nailed the part. It's not your fault that the dialogue was bad. It's not your fault that the stories were bad and missed the point. Yeah. All right. Um, I think what's left to do is probably review, uh, rate. Yeah, it's the actual that time. good series, the original. Yeah, yes, well, we're an hour and sixteen minutes in. Let's yeah. review this thing <laughs> yep. now. So let's start review reviewing, thing. baby. But Ruck, did you? But Ruck, you seem to have one other point to make before we do that. Um, no, I was just going to recommend if you are going to watch the live action remake of Bebop, watch the first five minutes and then stop. That's it. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. That that's what Bebop is, Ooh. and then after that, ouch, it's not that good. Just stop. Yeah, just stop. Just watch stop. five minutes of live action and you're done. Yeah. I would recommend the same thing about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Just watch the first thing with the mission, and then after that mission, you can stop. Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, so to rate this thing, how many space cowboys is it, or Wu Long, whatever? I'm giving it ten. I really have no rips at all. It it broke ground. It was such an, an atypical anime, and it it's seamlessly, wondrously combined elements of East and West. I mean, even the languages, the common languages were English, Chinese, Japanese, Russian, Persian, and just they seamlessly blended all this in. They added genres. And they made, and the music, of course, and they did something that was atypical anime and will probably never be replicated given the time, place, and where the creator's headspace was at. Ten. Next. I'll go next. Coming back to this, I forgot how good it was. I remembered it was good, and I liked it, but... It was a thing of coming back to it and realizing even more than before where these stories were, what they did, and how they did it. It's most of the time I don't I don't like going back to things I've seen in my childhood because most of the time they don't hold up well. But this one held up fantastically and I realized absolutely how good this is. And this is a 10 for me also. So I'll let Ruck take this one home since I know this is one of Ruck's all-time favorite things. So I'll go third <laughs> here um, and come out with your deep meaning in yeah. it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't honestly fault anything in this. Um, the animation's fantastic. The storytelling is sharp. Um as I said earlier, for episodic um, entertainment, it does a very good job of weaving a coherent story. You get the backstories of everyone that you need to and the fundamental things about why their characters are the way they are. 
uh, over the course of 26 episodes. They also didn't try to gravy train out many more seasons. They told the story. When the story was done, they were done. And I got to give a lot of credit for that. The music is fantastic. Um, the idea and the vision uh, works well. But I kept asking myself as I'm watching this, if critically I'm looking at it and saying, nothing I can really tear to shreds in this. Why am I not head over heels for this? I mean, it's good thematic stuff too. And what I realized was it's the thematic stuff. Um, This is a dystopian future. But what's missing in this dystopian future is someone trying to fix the dystopian future. If I were to pick a theme that runs through this whole thing, one is that you will forever be defined by your past. You can't escape it. It's still going to be there. No matter what you do beyond that point, you can't wash away the sins that you committed before. Um, It also leads to loneliness and isolation. Your three main characters are people who don't fit anywhere and barely fit with each other. They're not enjoying life. They're not having fun. They're, they're doing what they need to do to get by. Um, and then you have um, just overall, they're not looking for a better future. They've given up on a better future. They've given up, for the most part, on redemption of themselves. And even at the end, in phase close to her arc, all she's done is find where she belongs. She hasn't found where she can redeem the things that she doesn't like. And This is compared to Firefly. And if I love Firefly, why don't I love this? The difference is that none of these people have given up on the good side of humanity. None of these people in Firefly have given up on the good side of themselves. And at the end of it, they're always trying to show you that even the worst of them are trying to find ways to overcome that. And so, to me, there's not a positive message here. And I think where it sits in the back of my head is that what I'm being told in Cowboy Bebop is that you, you maybe won't be defined by the worst moment in your life, but you never will expunge that guilt and that stain and that blot, and no matter how hard you try, you don't move past it. It pays its price. It sticks with you, and it will always stick with you, and it will always in some way stain your soul. And while that might be the true message and the accurate message and the correct message, It's not a fun message. I want to believe in the ability to redeem myself, and I want to believe in the ability to be more than the sum of my worst moments, and that I can, through coming to peace with my actions in the past and coming to peace with who I am today, be happy with the final version of who I am. And I don't see that message coming through in this, so I think that's where I had a yeah, it's fantastic if you want that message. And so, What will I say at the end of this? It's good. It's powerful. It's dystopian. It's got everything I should like. I'm going to abstain from rating it because I'm clearly biased against the message that it's teaching or sending. And I don't know what an anime is supposed to be like. It's the first one I've watched in any significance. So I don't think it's fair for me to come in here and apply a rating to an anime because I can't tell you what an anime is supposed to be. Cop out. Okay, but that's honest, uh, honest answer. Plus, you do enjoy it, so well. I at guess least you have a sense of taste. All that's left is for the weeaboo to give their the weeaboo. All the right. as I am messing it up now. 
Nah, I like Weebo. Weebo's the new the new slang term for it. Alright, Weebo. <laughs> um so I love Bebop. It's not my favorite anime, but I do every once in a while come back to it to watch it again because one, it's short, uh, to the point you can literally watch it in a day if you wanted. Uh, which those are typically my favorite types where you can watch the story in a day and then go shopping afterwards. Um, I love the art, the music. I love the theme song. I love the characters. I love, I love Faye. Love Faye. Um, sorry, I'm in my own world right now. Um, um, you're bleeping that out. I'll bleep that out. (laughs) Fine. Um, but I think where I'm going to land on this is I'm going to go a nine. Um, I think that some of the storylines could have been a bit more fleshed out. Uh, mostly the vicious one. I wish we had more time with vicious personally. Uh, and that's really my only main gripe about it. I wish we had more time with Vicious. I loved every second that he was on the screen. From uh, Fallen Angels, Battle to Fallen Angels, which is in a fantastic episode, not just for Bebop, but in anime in general. Um, but to every other moment that you see him in any other episode. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go nine. Uh, for that sake okay you just don't want to go vicious the way they did it with the live action bebop where no. they kept showing all his machinations they sold too much too much yeah there. but you have to find the happy balance which uh yep. is right in between there <laughs> yeah that yeah uh also a good note from the netflix show uh nice note uh daniela do not go out and insult the fans before your show comes out. Oh. Or anyone in general. Do not insult the people that you are hoping pay you. It could backfire. Did she really? So, I didn't even see that. Yeah, she made a video about how, oh, we tried to find an actress that could do this. Instead, they had to stick who could look like this and be unrealistic, but they had to go with me. It's like, yeah. They, maybe it's just me, but actors need media training and a lot of contracts you're kidding the hair and botox that can memorize lines and deliver them realistically don't know how to do much else uh i guess not they aren't super smart and have the answers to everything in the world and they aren't believe it uh, they're not better than us can you believe it they're just hair and botox that can memorize lines and and deliver them in a believable fashion can you believe it anyway so, Man, I'm going to have to reevaluate my opinion of all these actors and general. actresses. I'm just, oh my. So anyway, uh, before we get out of here, we, uh, of course, here at Raving Lunatic, have many other fine podcasts. In fact, the case case closed on the Caseatorium just finished season two, did it not, Ruck, it, with Janine Jones? It did. Uh, so we just finished season two. Shane uh, gets a little break and... Uh, now me and Layla get to take over for a little bit with our shows. Which means I get a haunted elevator soon from Layla. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I should direct. I, you know what? I'll message her directly. That's fine. Um, but what, what, can, what kind of names am I, can we know what kind of names we could look forward to in season two of uh, Cold Case? 
in season three of cold case uh all three excuse me sorry i will give you i'll i'll, I'll give you some hints real quick um all right let's see what can i give out for the first episode um let's just say benjamin franklin uh flew one of these and he got struck by lightning and then oh, uh the, interesting. S- the second one takes place in norway we'll say that uh okay and then the third one you'll have to watch it to find out well color me intrigued those are those uh, are your uh, hints for the first three excellent and of course we have zodiac task force which had an episode drop was it last week? Am I already forgetting that? Yes. Nope. Last yes. week. <laughs> last week. And Boy, are you getting senile in your old age. Oh my gosh. You don't know the half of it. And uh, we just, in fact, had a script cast script read today prior to recording Malady for one of Ruck's upcoming episodes, which, wow, you guys are in for a treat. These are some really entertaining episodes, I, chapters as we're calling them, and I can't wait to see how it pans out and what he does with the editing. But I'll, before that, though, we will be getting another a side episode chapter, will we not? Yeah, uh, starring our lovely Vulcan. Yes, it's practically a one-man show. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Me as well. But that's just some of the samplings of Raving Lunatic Media. If you wanted to comment on this or any other show, you could do it at Discord or at www.fay.da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da